following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Good morning. It gives me great joy to say it to you that way. <laughs> um, do you, does anybody know what today is? Any significance behind today? Sunday. That is very significant. You're right. You're all here on the right day. Good job. Uh, okay. Well, we're getting closer and further away at the same time. <laughs> it's quite a ways to Christmas. Uh, so the Sunday after Easter every year is the anniversary of my first sermon as pastor of Crossroads Church. So nine, I don't mention that for clapping, but thank you. Uh, it's um, nine years, nine years. Oh, clap. Hey, go for it. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Now I got a lot of bad news. So <laughs> just kidding. We're back to first Peter. We're picking up our study in first Peter uh, chapter one. We're going to look at verses 10 through 12. And that's page 1014 in the Pew Bibles. Uh, Last week, if you remember, I asked a question. Um, It it wasn't a major sermon point, but a very important question nonetheless. Do you know what you've got when it comes to your salvation? Do you know what you've got Um, when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and adoption into God's eternal family? Do you truly understand and appreciate the great treasure that you have in the gospel. And this is exactly Peter's point in our text this morning. So let's pray and then we'll get right to it. Father God, again, we thank you for uh, the freedom that we have to gather together, either in this place or online. Um, Lord, we thank you for the gift of technology that allows us to still gather around your word no matter where we are. No matter when this video gets watched, uh, we're grateful for that, Lord. We know, Father, that your spirit continues to speak through your word, uh, whether it's recorded on paper or recorded in audio or a video or whatever. Lord, we ask now that your spirit would speak through your word and that you would be blessed uh, and we would be encouraged by our gathering together today. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get to Peter... I'd like to look at two quick verses from the gospel, specifically from Matthew and John, where Peter was there, but he's not specifically mentioned. In Matthew 13, 16, and 17, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and explaining to them why he spoke in parables to people and how people were fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah by hearing and not hearing and seeing and not seeing. Um, And Jesus said to them, to the disciples, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Peter echoes this same thought. He was there. Jesus said that to him and the other disciples. So he echoes this thought in our text. 
But the other side of the coin is in, recorded in John chapter 20, verse 29. Um, when Jesus is responding to the poor guy we refer to as Doubting Thomas. Um, doubt, doubting Thomas is a pillar of faith, and we, we give him that horrible nickname um, because he wanted to see Jesus' hands. Uh, he wanted to see the wounds before he would believe. And when Jesus does appear... And he shows Thomas the holes in his hands and in his feet and the hole in his side. And Thomas's response was a confession. My Lord and my God. And Jesus says to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This group of believers mentioned by Jesus includes people who believed in him long before he came. We start, we get stuck in thinking, okay, he's talking about us, right? Because we we haven't seen Jesus, but we believe. What about Isaiah? What about Elijah? What about Moses? They believed without seeing long, long before. And those of us that believe, according to Jesus, are blessed because we have not seen and still believed. Whether they believed looking forward to his first coming or believed after his first coming and are looking forward to his second coming. This is sounding complicated. So let's look at the text. It's actually quite simple. We have to back up to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, so we get some context to Peter's statement. 1 Peter 1, 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Speaking of Jesus. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. May God's blessing be on his word. This salvation has been Peter's topic so far in this letter. And if Peter's original intent in writing this letter was to encourage the church to stand up under trial, to be encouraged in the face of difficulties, then reminding them of the treasure that we have in the gospel, this salvation is what he calls it, that's a great way to do it. Life is hard, but as didn't we just sing that in a song? If we, we've got the, oh, we haven't sung it yet, our closing song. And I don't want to give it away, right? If we've got if Christ's life in us, we have no fear of death. There's no reason to be afraid of death because it's not the end for us. It's the beginning, right? So previews of coming attractions, Sorry. My memory's working, and I remember that. So I praise God for that, right? Yeah. Okay. 
So let's look at a few different aspects of this salvation that Peter, that Peter talks about. Salvation through faith in Jesus that I think will hopefully deepen our appreciation for the great gift that we have been given. And we will be encouraged by that when we face difficulties. The first aspect of this great salvation is that Christ himself predicted it, but not the incarnate Christ. This is fun, fun theology, the pre-incarnate Christ. I say Christ instead of Jesus because, in my mind at least, Jesus means the incarnate Christ, right? And we're talking about the eternally existent Son, the the second person of the Trinity, okay? Um, And it it was the Spirit of Christ, Spirit of Messiah, that revealed this salvation to the prophets long ago. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours... That's the salvation. They searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit in Christ, spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. This was Christ himself speaking to the prophets. The eternal, eternally existent second person of the Trinity, the divine Son of God speaking to them and through them long ago, about his sufferings and the glories that would follow. The plan was in place from eternity past. And if this is all sounding familiar to you, awesome. (laughs) Be encouraged by it. The plan was in place from eternity past, and Christ himself revealed it to the prophets. We can't forget that Christ was active long before Bethlehem, right? And I don't mean like the nine months that Mary was carrying him, right? He is on every page of Scripture. If you keep that thought in mind, your reading of the Old Testament will change. If you understand the Old Testament is all about Jesus, all about his person, all about his work, it changes the way you read the Old Testament. I'm still working on how it will change my reading of numbers, but it's still, he is still there and active on every page from Genesis to Revelation. Do you, so we can all nod our heads in agreement with that, right? We're, okay, that's great. Do you know what that means for you? Do you know what that has to do with you? What that means for you is that you were loved by God from eternity past. You have been loved by God for all the ages. Not just since your birth, but long before. Be encouraged. Can you not be encouraged by that? I mean, that's. Most of, the, most of the time, you're just like struggling to make it through the day, right? Because I'm not good enough to do whatever needs to be done, and somebody better should be doing this than me. You have been loved for endless ages. 
Christ himself predicted the grace that was to belong to the church through his own sufferings and the glories that follow. And the prophets longed to see that day. Can you imagine being Isaiah when you're writing the words of Isaiah 53, 5 and 6? I'm sure he wrote in all those little numbers to help himself keep track of the verses. Listen, Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, I think one of the mistakes that we make is we forget that the prophets were people too. And though the Spirit of Christ revealed these words to Isaiah, that doesn't mean the Spirit of Christ revealed that meaning to Isaiah. It's very possible Isaiah had no idea what was going on. Like, I'm going to write this down. It's not like he was a robot or anything, but the Lord gave him the words. And here he is, inspired by the Spirit of Christ and wondering, who? Who am I? Who? Who is this, Lord? Who are you talking about? When is this going to happen? What time is this going to happen? I'm looking. I, I want it. I, I want my sins to be removed from me. Right? Praise God you have, you have provided this way. But when? Who are you talking about? Jesus said, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. And he did not see it and hear what you hear and did not hear it. Peter says the prophets searched and inquired carefully. Isaiah couldn't flip through the New Testament and see this fulfilled. It wouldn't be written for hundreds of years. The words searched and inquired carefully. These words, they sound very literary, but they're not. They, they didn't. Well, anyway, they, it means that the prophets diligently mined like miners digging for precious metals. They mined what they had, what words of God they had digging for gold. They examined it from every angle, plumbing its depths trying to find out what it is that the Lord was trying to communicate to them. And they longed to see how the salvation that had been spoken to them by Christ would work out. They longed to see it with their own eyes. But, you know, it was 400 years between the last word of Malachi and the first word of Matthew. 400 years. I mean, our, our country is 244 and a half years old. Right? We've still got a long ways to go to match that number. They longed to see that day and didn't see it. They looked forward to it in faith. But verse 12 of 1 Peter 1 says, It was revealed to them that they were, not, they were serving not themselves, but you. The word of God was given to the prophets by the Spirit of Christ, not just for them, but for us. 
Now, the scholars differ on this, but it's generally agreed that there are somewhere between 200 and 400 prophecies, different predictions about the coming of Christ, the work of Christ, his sufferings and subsequent glories. 200 to 400, some people say as high as 600 or close to that. Different prophecies, all fulfilled by Jesus. Okay? I think the, 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 the chances of like five prophecies, five different prophecies being fulfilled in one person is like the same chances of a tornado blowing through a junkyard and building a 747. It just, it's, it's astronomical. It was, I suppose it's possible. Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. That's, you were talking about that's a low front coming in from over here and high pressure. Yeah, that's high pressure to build a 747 from a junkyard. 200. I mean, if, if 10 is impressive, 200, 400, 576. That's impossible but not with God. And it was revealed to the prophets they were not serving themselves in these prophecies. They were serving us. They're serving the church. John Calvin said about this thought, what else then was this, but that they spread the table that others might afterwards feed on the provisions laid on it. The prophets spread out the table. Christ himself was the meal. And we, the church, all get to sit at that table and eat. What a wonderful blessing that is. is does that encourage you? This, I mean, you're talking about thousands of years of the work of God so that you could come to faith in Christ and be saved. Hallelujah. J.P. Lang asked a question. Why were those things revealed to the prophets? Seeing as they, as seeing as that they were not permitted to realize their fulfillment, it wasn't done for their sake, but for ours, and thus they minister to us. What a wonderful blessing! The patient endurance of the prophets as they looked forward to the deliverance of the grace of God and salvation through faith in Christ, and their diligent search for the truth in the words that were given to them ought to serve as great examples and great encouragement to us. Hundreds of years of ministry for us and for those who will come after us. John Calvin also said, if their patience was so great, surely we shall be twice and thrice ungrateful if the fruition of the grace denied to them will not sustain us under all the evils which are to be endured. Okay, waiting hundreds and hundreds of years for this to actually happen. And we're like, God, why are you picking on me? Why do you make everything so hard? I just, and I'm, I'm not saying this about you. <laughs> I'm saying this about me. Twice and thrice ungrateful. The grace that is ours in Christ, our salvation, 
was predicted by the spirits of Christ, longed for by the prophets. They served the church through their writings and their diligent study of it. And even the angels longed to look into it. That's one of my favorite expressions in the Bible. Talking about our salvation, the angels longed to look into it. It was revealed to the prophets they were serving not themselves but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, our, our redemption being bought back from death, and our justification, the clearing of our record before God, these are the things in which angels long to look. Now, that doesn't mean that they want to see it happen but are forbidden. It's that they love to look into it. They want to see our redemption. The words uh, that are translated to look into in Greek is literally to bend over so as to look deeply into and see the bottom of a thing. <laughs> right? It's like they're looking down the well. To see the bottom. They want to see the story of our redemption unfold. Do you get that angels are rooting for you? <laughs> How encouraging is that? It's incredible. And I don't mean that baseball team either. They're awful. But like the real angels. It's amazing. It's not that they're prevented from understanding our redemption, but that they are onlookers. They're cheering us on. As ones that never sinned, the redemption is not necessary for them. It's not a problem for them like it is for us. But they love to watch God's plan of redemption play out. It's amazing. Is this encouraging? Angels are rooting for us. So in considering our salvation, as we've already seen, Christ himself predicted it. The prophets longed to see it. The prophets served the church in it. Angels long, uh, love to look into it, long to look into it. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings it. It was revealed to the prophets that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is the Holy Spirit that brings the salvation through the preaching of the good news. He brought it through the apostles. He brought it through the evangelists. He brings it through me, and he brings it through you every time we share our faith. How about that? It's not just about you after all, right? We, the Holy Spirit brings salvation through us when we share the good news with other people. That salvation is available through faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit delivers it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. 
Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various tests. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. 19th century theologian, I'm going to call him Mr. Stark because I can't pronounce his first name and it's German, so I can't say German with confidence. Last thing was Stark. He wrote, Would you give this consolation for an empire? If the hope be living, the inheritance is sure, the crown that never fades, the treasure that none can, stale, can steal, abide the heat. How short is suffering? How long the glittering eternity? Heavenly life God will give above, evermore my heart shall praise him. Amen? I wouldn't trade this consolation for an empire. Would you? I pray not. Let's pray. Father God, how humbled we are to be loved for endless ages. How humbled we are that you spoke to the prophets so that we would know salvation. How humbled we are to know that angels are rooting for our salvation. How humbled we are to know that the Holy Spirit came and spoke to the apostles and the evangelists and those who shared the gospel with us. And when we share the gospel, he speaks through us. How humbled we are to know that the eternally existent Son of God would become a man and live a life without sin and yet die a sinner's death because it's the death that we deserve. How humbled we are to know that he was risen from the dead so that our record could be cleared before God. Father, I pray if there is anyone within the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus as Savior and Lord, that today they would cry out to you in faith, asking for your forgiveness, accepting your death on the cross was for them, and that you rose to life to clear their record, that they may be justified before God. Father, we thank you for this great grace that is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. May this sustain us when things get hard. May we endure the heat 
and look forward to the glittering reward that awaits us in heaven. We love you and thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.